welcome to the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts. For those of you who love to look at the game in microscopic detail, my name's Harry Brooks and I'm joined by my co-host Richard Webster. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. You okay? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks. Yourself? Really good, really good. Excited for this one. I think it's going to be a great, uh, great podcast this week, mate. Yep, I agree. We're going to get straight into it. This week's podcast is the evolution of the wide player. Um, this is something that myself and Richard have been wanting to do on our podcast for a while, um, talking about specific positions and roles in football, uh, being coaches and analysts ourselves, of course, and we think that we can really go in depth onto this one, don't we? Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We call it a deep dive, which is great. Uh, we're going to get to look at the position in a bit more detail. Um, so we're going to hone in on, on wide players because that position we both, we both love to watch. And of course, we both love to coach uh, wide players as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to talk about some of our favorite wide players, the ones who've had a big impact on the game that we love and, um, and the evolution of the role because it's a very interesting topic. And um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be good. And we'll also be discussing how ourselves as coaches perhaps train wide players, certain tips we give them, certain things that we should be looking for or, or players and actions that should be looking to uh, to produce on a football pitch. But um, to start off the topic, I think that the UK has been world-renowned for producing wide players for a large, large number of years. And Richard, I know that you're very keen to talk about um, some of the classic great British uh, wide players, if you want to go over that one, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if we're going to talk about white players, which for me is one of the most exciting players' uh, positions on the pitch, it's what the fans come to watch. They're, they're the players that get everyone off their seats. Um, they're the difference makers, you know, and, and they, they come in all different shapes and sizes from like dashing wingers to, to barreling wide players who burst past players to tricksters and dribblers. So I think over the course of football, um, there's been some really, really exciting ones. And obviously we're a British uh, podcast. So we, we know more about British football than we do about the rest. Obviously, we can talk a, a bit more in detail later about some of the, the more global names. But I think um, it wouldn't be right to, to talk about wide players being a British podcast without giving a name check to some of the great British wingers over the years. And they have been some fantastic wingers as well. So if I talk about my own nation, Wales, uh, this is obviously the nation of Cliff Jones, the, the, the famous Tottenham winger from the double season. That's going back a few years for Spurs fans. <laughs> But uh, nevertheless, a legendary winger, uh, right the way to the modern day of, of Gareth Bale. And, and in between is, uh, of course, uh, the one and only Ryan Giggs. So Wales has, has produced plenty of, um, of wingers, all different styles as well. England has a very, very long list from, from Stanley Matthews, who's obviously an icon of the game, first ever winner of the Ballon d'Or. Um, and some would say uh, football revolutionary, right the way through to John Barnes. Uh, Steve McManaman back in the day, Chris Waddle, all different styles up to modern day wide players such as Sancho. And of course, going back a little bit before Sancho, David Beckham, another fantastic wide player with a, a different skill set. Um, we, we don't want to leave out Scotland. I'm sure their fans would be upset if we did. So we got a shout out to uh, Jimmy Johnston of the, uh, the famous Lisbon Lions, the first British team to win the, uh, the European Cup in 67. Led, uh, led by the jinky Jimmy Johnston on the wing there. And of course, we can't talk about uh, wide players without mentioning possibly the greatest British player of all time, uh, George Best. So um, all of these players and more are going to come up in the course of the podcast, where we're going to get into real detail about um, types of wingers and, and what they bring to the team. Not just wingers, but wide players. Um, so and how that how that role has changed over the years, whether it's down to tactical changes or just the evolution of the game. So um, yeah, I thought I'd kick us off with just a just a role check of some of the famous names that we'd be going over, mate. No, definitely. Speaking of British wingers, I guess I think a good place to be sort of carrying on that discussion about British wingers is is perhaps why the British have have always produced fantastic wingers. Um, what do you think that is? I mean, the UK has been world-renowned for producing athletic players for a long, long time. So obviously that does suit the wide player that can get up and down the pitch and attack in a variety of ways. Um, why do you think the UK has been has produced a cluster of exceptional wide players over the years and is really world-renowned for that role in the game? Yeah, a number of things, mate. I think obviously the UK and Scotland in particular are at the forefront of tactical development in the early days of, in the early days of football. 
Um, and our natural, you alluded to it there, our natural sort of tendency is to go forward, to be hard runners, to be hard workers. Um, the way the game developed early on was to, to have players in the box and you know the, the role of the wide player would be to dash down the line and, and cross it in. So maybe it has something to do with our... Um, our get up and go and our willingness to drive forward and, and be direct and attacking might also have something to do with a lack of technical ability. Um, you know, that's maybe what the Europeans would say, but for whatever reason, um, whichever way you spin it, Britain has, has definitely uh, produced some fantastic wide players over the years. But um, it's not just the British wingers we want to talk about. And I know, Harry, you want to mention, um, I think you want to kick us off by talking about uh, a seminal wide player an influential wide player um, from Brazil. Yes, I do, mate. Um, this Brazilian wide player is one of the first players I actually researched really in depth as a young kid. I do remember because um, of his unique style, I've always been a fan. And I guess a lot of people have of players with really unique styles that are there to excite the fans and, and, and um, you know, a constant threat. And, and that's Garincha, um, an absolute legend of the game. And he's just one of those wide players that would just... Loved to be on the ball. Loved to go at his man. He would stop, start. He could beat them both ways. Um, a Brazilian legend. Um, he, Him and Pele in the same team never lost a game for Brazil <laughs> when they were in the same team, which is quite exceptional when you think about how many appearances they made for the national team. I mean, Garincha played 50 games for Brazil. Um, so to have never... Um, to have never, you know, lost a game between the pair of them is quite uh, phenomenal. But... One thing that really, you know, interested me about Grincher was just how unique he was. Um, he was born with quite a few deformities that, you know, would perhaps put people at doubts as to whether he could play to a high level. Um, he was born with a crooked spine, warped knees, um, and his left leg was actually a couple of inches shorter than his right. But but there's an argument to say that that um, odd body physique actually could have perhaps helped him as a wide player. You know, he could turn at ridiculous angles, extremely sharp. He could stop, start and move um, on the ball um, instantly, which is, um, you know, a, a rare trait to have. And yeah, he is someone that um, I'm a huge fan of and he, his style of play could definitely carry on into the modern day era of football, I would say. So no, Garincha is a one of the legends of the game and someone that's definitely had a huge role in the in the evolution of the wide player, I think. And he's, he's another one um, who carries on or, or maybe started the tradition of... Um uh the the troubled genius let's say so in in the mold of uh he was before but in the mold of george best you often get these these genius players these difference makers who have their problems and obviously garincha had his off the field problems with he struggled with alcoholism later on but um in, in terms of his playing style yeah i mean yeah. The, well, you the know story... what? Before, you, before you move on mate perhaps these wild players that we talk about how creative they are and how they're a bit of a maverick does that also obviously if they're that way inclined in terms of a football pitch i guess that that creative spark can at times be used off the pitch as well in perhaps not the most uh, accepting of ways at all times. But do you think there's obviously a correlation there between perhaps the more maverick style of, of person in, you know, actual society and then taking that onto the pitch? Do you think there's a, perhaps a correlation there? I do think so. And obviously the position itself lends itself, uh, you know, it, it demands creativity. It, it's the more exciting and creative player who's going to end up there. And often, oftentimes, those players, I don't think it's a coincidence that the wide players were all excited by that we all want to watch. Um, they, they often, over the years, there's been many examples, they tend to be the ones who might have off-the-field struggles. And that might be because of their creative tendencies or, or whatnot. But, um, no, Garinch is a, a terrific starting-off point, and that segues quite nicely into uh, Brazil, obviously, um, which has had a long, just like, just like the UK, a long history of fantastic wingers. So starting off with Garincha and then obviously into the modern day, um, I think you know everyone can talk about Robinho and Neymar being um, two fantastic players who've uh, carried on that tradition of um, of unbelievable wingers with skill and trickery and, and the ability to beat players um, on both sides. And it's interesting that Garincha, Robinho, and Neymar probably would fall into the same category of wide player of um, the pure dribbler. Um, the, the, the player with the ball stuck to his feet uh, with, with skill and, and flair and um, the ability to, to beat a player, almost to embarrass a player, almost to, um, to jink past a player effortlessly. This is the, this is the wide player of Brazil. This is the, the wide player of um, 
you know, the Samba boys, which is probably very different to um, how we would have experienced wide players, certainly as I was growing up um, watching uh, watching British football. Our wide players were skillful, yes, but it wasn't so much about the flair, like the cheeky nutmeg or the flip-flap, the rainbow flick, these sorts of things. It was more about beating a player and crossing it in. So already there we can see differences in, in forms of wide players that were playing in the same era. Yeah. Who was the first British player, do you think, um, wide player that had the real, real flair that you can think of? Um, well, I mean, if we, if we go back, obviously it's a bit before my time, Stanley Matthews is a, is a legend of the game and uh, his legendary cutback is, um, is sometimes said to have influenced uh, modern wingers today. Uh, you, you might, if you think of a modern winger, um, one of my personal favorites right now is uh, Mares playing at uh, Manchester City, and the way that he that he wrong foots players with a fake and then a cutback, and a, he's able to shift his weight from one foot to the other effortlessly. I think that's a direct descendant from Stanley Matthews, but that might be a little bit before people's times. So, um, so I, I'd probably go with uh, Ryan Giggs um, as uh, one of the first uh, modern British wingers to. Um, to have that combination of, of skill and flair. I remember when he burst onto the scene as a young player at Manchester United in the Premier League. And that week, absolutely every person in school wanted to be Ryan Giggs because he was doing, I mean, and this is the thing that often gets forgotten or overlooked. And uh, sometimes as we, we sort of, football's always moving. There's always a new player and a new player and a new player. So people now, you know, everyone talks about Mbappe and the new players that are coming out. Sancho gets a lot of coverage. And he's a fantastic player. But I remember Giggs bursting onto the scene as a young teenager. And the stuff that he was doing every single week in the Premier League was, was absolutely ridiculous. The skills he would come out with, um, the audacity and the flair and the tricks. Um, he had a real dash about him, a real bravery. And um, yeah, he's probably the first British one that I can remember vividly uh, encapsulating everything that I thought a wide player should have. So um, yeah. I think it's interesting to talk about, obviously, the evolution of the wide player and how the wide player has changed. And and it, in line with perhaps how football tactics and the game as a whole has evolved, because I think that if we look at the wide player as itself, it perhaps there's always been and there always will be different examples of different types. So, for example, you're still seeing players nowadays that, I'm not saying he's as good, they're as good as him, but move like Garincha, um, that move like Georgie Best. Not as good as these players, but those styles are still there. There's always been different types of wide players and there always will be. But perhaps the role of the wide player has changed alongside the tactics. Um, I mean, most of my lifetime, most formations in the UK anyway, was very traditional 4-4-2 and wide players played on, their, on the side of their strongest foot. Um, very much, you know, get down the line and cross. Eventually, you might in, get into the box and enter the box and score. I mean, Giggs himself, you know, he was obviously a left-footed wide player that played on the left end. In the season, in the 1999 season when they won the treble, I think he only scored three goals in the Premier League, which, you know, that's not a knocking on Giggs. But I think that uh, one of the biggest evolutions of the wide players, perhaps how many big sides now look towards the wide players to provide consistent goal output, um, for me, and perhaps a change of tactics. How how do you think the change of tactics and the evolution of the game as a whole has, has evolved the wide player? Yeah, so if I look back to the Ajax team of 1995, the very famous team uh, that beat uh, AC Milan in, in the final of the Champions League that year, with some great names in there, Frank de Boer, Clarence Seydorf, Edgar Davids, uh, Yari Ludman, a fantastic player, who I'm sure we'll talk about in another podcast. Um, they had two classic wide players in Mark Overmars and Fanny George. So two different types of wide players. Mark Overmars, very left-footed, very one-sided, very direct. Obviously, he went on to huge things with Arsenal as well, but what a terrific player he was in that side on the left-hand side there. And Fanny George, more of a dribbler, keep the ball uh, close to your feet, a skillful player, but played completely on the right. Then we uh, fast forward a few years to the 1999 Champions League final. Uh, Manchester United winning that one as part of their treble season, which I'm sure they st- <laughs> they're never going to shut up about. Uh, with Giggs on the left-hand side and David Beckham on the right-hand side. two Again, two completely different wide players, but very much wide players. 
Biggs plays on the left, left-footed, only occupying that channel. Yes, later on in his career, he started to drift infield, but that wasn't happening yet. And David Beckham, although he wasn't, you would classically call him a winger, he certainly wasn't a flyer. He didn't rely on pace or his, um, his uh, quick control or anything like that. But he was very much a wide player at that time. So for me, that 1999 team is the last team, certainly in the Champions League, that I can think of that went on to win it with two classic old-style wide players. After that, we started to see the progression where fullbacks would be used more and more in the build-up of attacks and then more and more in actually providing the cross for attacks. So this wasn't happening before then. So the fullback, the role of the fullback was to defend the flank. The role of the fullback was not to bomb on and overlap and provide assists or even a threat at goal. So with this new development of the fullback position, which was in turn needed because of this stifling effect of, play, of teams sitting compact and sitting deep, wingers needed to solve this problem. A way to solve this problem is to lose a striker, put another player into midfield, and now all of a sudden you can have fullbacks coming forward, inverted wingers or inside forwards, as we might call them, who would then combine and form partnerships with their fullback to create overlapping fullbacks. I think one of the first players that I, can, I think is an important player in this regard would be Luis Figo. So, of the brilliant and fantastic Portugal team who um, did amazing things and obviously of Barcelona and Real Madrid fame as well and Inter Milan, of course. Um, but Figo, in his pomp, was a fast, direct, skillful winger. When he had the pace, he could play in the old style, a bit like Overmars on the left where he was expected to go down the line and cross it, and he was capable of this. But such was his ability with the ball, um, such was his ability to cross and his vision, uh, and his close control, and of course his threat on goal. But he was actually able, he was probably one of the first ones who was able to occupy both spaces, so he could play as an inside, uh, or an inside forward, if you like, and as a pure winger. And I think he's, he forms an important bridge between the time of classic wide players who just played in position and just played wide into what we see now where we have this um, very, very loose uh, understanding of wide players who occupy what people would call the half space, who would occupy, some people would call it inside forwards, or which would, you know, players we're thinking of now in, in regards of, let's say, Mane, um, Sane, Mare, Sancho, just to name a few. Uh, they owe a lot to Figo and how he developed that role, being one of the first who who was a constant threat on goal, had the ability to go on the outside and play as a classic winger, go down line and cross it in, but could also um, drift inside and, and play like a 10. So that's how I see the development there. Before I move on, I've just got to say we are banning the use of the word half space on this podcast from here on in forevermore <laughs> never allowed to use that term again no um no definitely mate and it's really really interesting um and the idea of wild players that all can also play as a 10 i think is something that you certainly saw for a period of time i don't think you're seeing many players nowadays that can attack in terms of carrying the ball out wide as they would do as a 10 um but i think you're seeing a lot more variation to wide players um, in terms of the roles they, they do. And as you said, um, Figo is obviously someone that inspired that, um, one of the players that inspired that anyway. Um, and I think nowadays a lot of a lot of things get ignored in terms of assessing wide players. So for example, you know, it's, it's actually very rare to find a, you know, we, we, there's a lot of players nowadays that do um, play inverted, um, that does play on both sides. But actually, in terms of finding players, wide players anyway, that can go on the outside and the inside, on both wings, I think is very, very rare. Um, even the top elite clubs, not many of them have them. Um, I would say that Sadio Mane can certainly do that. I'd say Steven Bergwijn is very good at that for Spurs. Um, but there's not many people or not many wild players, even today, that can actually go on the inside and outside on both wings. Um, and I don't think there's that many players actually that nowadays that would feel comfortable carrying the ball dribbling as a 10 either. Um, I think William would be fantastic at that. Um but it's interesting nonetheless. And, and something that I'd like to talk about is I do wonder, obviously, where me and you, we do have a coaching background, obviously. Um, we train and work with 
professional wingers and wide players and academy wingers and wide players and grassroots, of course, as well. I do wonder how our style of coaching would change perhaps with a wide player, say, in the early years of Giggs' um, breakthrough compared to a wide player nowadays. You know, there's there's certain... I think the wide player nowadays has a lot more variety um, to their game from what we've seen and uh, a few different roles. Um, and I do wonder how we would coach it differently. I mean, certain points that we were going to talk about anyway, certain certain tips that we would give to wide players. So so one move that I, I coach players, and obviously we coach players together, is is actually called the Callum Hudson-Odoi. Um, he hasn't been around for too long to, to perhaps warrant a name uh, being named after him, but he's phenomenal at the idea of wide players getting separation early and then receiving the ball on a 45-degree angle. And a lot of stuff that like, gets ignored. So that idea of getting separation from the defender early, backing off to get the angle and the space where you can then approach the defender, and that 45 degrees angle means that he can then go inside and outside of the player at full pelt. Um, and I do wonder if how much our coaching would have changed when perhaps maybe years ago it would be, well, you know, receive the ball deep as a wide player and how do you explode down the line and how do you deliver different kinds of crosses? Now, we do that nowadays with wide players, but in terms of that kind of move, we probably, as you said earlier, do that more with fullbacks, don't we? Uh, I think the best, the best wingers and the best wide players had to had to develop and had to adapt as they went along. So Gig started out purely as a left winger and then ended up as a as an inside forward, and then of course ended up central um, and able to do both of those things. Figo the same. So Figo could play left and right. But we're talking about these are world class players who will go down as uh, play, you know, all time greats. Um, so it's very rare to find, like you said, a player who can, who can go both ways. Um, I do think the best players do adapt and they're able to come inside. But yeah, surely going back, going back to a, a classic wide player, um, you would have paid a lot of attention to crossing and their ability to cross the ball and then that ability to go 1v1. So um, have you got a trick? Have you got a jink? Have you got a turn of pace, a turn of, um, uh, you know, the sleight of foot using your... Um, Using your shifting of weight and momentum to, to beat a player, I still think that's that's one of the most important skills in football today is the ability to go one v one with a player. One v one domination, along with goal scoring, um, is one of the most valuable assets that a player can have, and that's why we're seeing some some of the most successful and some of the most um, uh, most improved players, uh, uh, players who have that in their locker. So we've been talking a lot recently on the podcast about um, Adama Traore. Um, and he would be a fantastic um, example of a player who has taken his game, developed his one-on-one ability. Um, it was good, and now it's great. And he's developed his crossing ability, and that was bad, <laughs> and now it's very good. Um, and so he's now becoming a complete package. He's not there yet, but he's becoming a complete package in terms of a, of a modern wide player. Um, but yeah, going back, I think you would have spent more time uh, on your crossing and delivery and more time on your or your ability to go on the outside um but yeah you you did start to see a shift in players so i think robin's robin is a really important example where he started out his career as a left winger a poor left winger and he was very very good at that and then he ended his career as a right winger and he was very very left-footed so this is not a player who could use his right foot it wasn't his biggest attribute obviously but he developed into this fantastic right winger because he had a goal threat from that position. And I think that's another area that, that wide players have uh, developed massively over the course of the last 10 or 15 years. And that's because there isn't a second striker or most teams don't play with two up front. So now the wide player has to be more of a source of goals. Um, and so that's, that's where I see the coaching um, having developed is wide players need to be more of a threat on goal. So if you think about Robert cutting in, we've all got that probably picture in our mind's eye of seeing Robin. We know exactly what he's going to do next. He's going to shift it off his left, touch it, curl it into the far post. There's nothing you can do about it, <laughs> but he's going to do it. And also, to, to some degree, you would say the same about Thierry Henry, who actually started life as a winger and then ended up as a centre forward. Certainly a forward. You might not call him a centre forward. Um, and he used a lot of the attributes of that modern type of winger to create that similar type of goal on his right side. Yeah, no, he actually done a, I think it was an interview, he might have been with James Madison uh, during lockdown and he was actually 
very adamant that he gets he gets labelled quite incorrectly quite often saying uh, people people look at him as a pure nine and he was like I was never a pure nine I would pick the ball up deep I would get involved in link up play I would carry the ball up the pitch um, I was never a pure nine yep. um, but no yeah he's definitely someone that was obviously you know has taken traits from modern uh, day wingers and wire players and, and I think a trait that I think has developed um, definitely in the UK in recent years whether it's due to um, a more um, more attention being paid to ball mastery and technical work. I think we're seeing a lot more wingers nowadays that receive the ball and look to receive the ball higher up the pitch. So, you know, as we said, the typical 4-4-2 winger, you'd perhaps be looking at the wide player to, to carry the ball up the pitch and be the driving force to get the ball up the pitch. Whereas I think there's less reliance on those kind of players nowadays, certainly on the big teams. And they find, you know, midfielders or other ways to progress the ball and I think you're seeing a lot more players nowadays that are actually looking to receive the ball high up the pitch in the final third where perhaps there's less space and you're required to have more tighter footwork, ball mastery. Jaden Sancho is an obvious example of that. Um, but then where I think the UK will really go on to excel in the wide area is again producing both types of players because we'll always have that athletic nature, players that can carry the ball over longer distances. But where we are now paying attention and have been paying more attention to the technical aspects, we're also having those players that can work in tight areas. So it's no surprise where you're seeing an absolute... I think, I think there's always been British players wide. who could do that. I just think there was a gap, there was a dearth of those in the last sort of decade. So if we go back, if we talk about... Let's talk about George Best. So George Best is a dribbler, first and foremost. This is not what you... You wouldn't categorise him as an, as an athletic uh, wide player in the sense of you would categorize Arjen Robben, Gareth Bale as athletic wide players um, who, who you know, depend a little bit more on their pace and athleticism and ability to get away with, by being direct. George Best was a dribbler with a ball tighter than his foot in the same way that Steve McManaman was. Steve McManaman couldn't rely on pure pace um, to beat a player 1v1. It was his ability to dribble and keep that ball close to him and his ability to to have that, like you, like you said, that technical ability to go both sides, to jink, um, to trick a player with a, a, a twist of the hips, a shift of the shoulders, bending the knees. Um, and that, that was his trait. Uh, John Barnes, this was not a player who just relied on pace. This was a, a tricky winger who also had explosive ability as well. And Ryan Giggs, of course, I just think we had a dearth of that after, well, since Ryan Giggs until now where we're now seeing this period of, um, of exciting wide players coming through. And obviously Sancho's at the forefront of that. You would say Raheem Sterling's an exciting, exciting wide player as well, who are able to do both. But I think he was always there. I just think we've had a, we've had a gap <laughs> of, let's say, 10 years where we've been missing for a little while. One thing that I think that modern football um, has maybe led to less of, I think there's less of the, ex- not less of them, but I think they're, there's less space for the the individual out wide, the one that would consistently carry the ball up the pitch, looking to get the ball to that man, and just basically going, going, and going, and doing what you what you do best. Um, and I think that nowadays, where football, especially in England, is so fast, so intense, there's so much nowadays about how quickly you move the ball. And obviously, teams are looking to play more structured. I would say there's less freedom for players. So I think that there's actually, um, we're going to see more and more of the wide player that perhaps is, you know, more reliant on playing one and two touch, um, combinations in and around the box. Um, do you think that, you know, generally speaking, there's perhaps been the appreciation for the wide player that will consistently look to carry the ball um, and dribble and perhaps not conform to tactical regiments? Um, do you think there's perhaps less of those players nowadays, or do you think they're less appreciated, or do you think? I mean, obviously there's, no, I, there I, are examples. I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think you have to be um, less rigid tactically, and you know you can you can be both, and there are plenty of examples of players who are both. So when players look at Neymar, I think this is a mistake people make a lot, especially young people watching the game. They watch a player like Neymar, and they might watch YouTube highlights, and they'll see fantastic things that he's done. And there's nothing wrong with YouTube because obviously. To YouTube allows us to, to study the game and the history of the game for, for people who are too young to remember or whatever. And I think that's really, really important as well. Like you were talking earlier about Garincha, and we've been talking about other players in the past, and I think it's really crucial. The young fans of the game, um, well, I think it's definitely advantageous if they can 
they can educate themselves about the previous players. The downside, of course, of YouTube is that, or any other forms, any other platforms out there, is that we tend to watch, or young people tend to watch snippets and bits, best bits. So greatest goals or greatest skills or greatest dribbles and things like that. And so it's easy to categorize a player, let's say Neymar, for example, as having flair and trickery, but not being tactically astute or not being tactically disciplined. That's just simply not true. This is a player, yes, he might not have to adhere to the same defensive um, uh, structure as some of the players around him, but that will be part of the tactical decision that the manager has made. So it'd be the same as saying like, well, Messi's not tactically um, disciplined because he walks around a lot. But the point of the way they play is that is the tactic that they've decided upon, that in order to get the best out of the best attacking player on the field, I don't want him coming back 40 yards into, into our half and grabbing the ball back. So I don't think the two um, teams. How be... many teams, I'm going to interrupt you there, mate, how many teams in world football are willing to do that with their play nowadays? And are there less of them? That was my point. Are there less teams nowadays? Obviously, if you have a Lionel Messi in your team, you have to just play to his strengths. How many teams would be willing to do that with a player nowadays is my point. I think there's, there's tactical rigidity, of course, but I don't think, it, I don't think we're any more tactically rigid uh, than, than the teams of the past. So I think there's actually more, there's a lot of attacking flair right now. So if you think of, of the Italian teams who used to dominate with Catanaccio, we've come away from that, thankfully. Well, you know, in some ways you can say thankfully. Um, so I think there's, there's certainly tactical um, rigidity in one sense, but I also do think there's room for players to... Um, have that flair and have that impulse and and have the freedom to go forward, but it's just within the, within the confines of the the structure of the team. And I think that's what we're we're developing more and more. So a player like Adama Traore, he has to pick his moments. Or a player like Riyad Mahrez, he has to pick his moments a bit more a bit more smartly, a bit more wisely. But he still has plenty of time to um to show what he's got and show his flair and ability and his creativity. So I don't think there's there's too much of that missing. Um, what I do think is missing is, uh, but this is uh, for another podcast, players who can put their foot on the ball and slow the pace of the game down. I do think that's missing quite a lot. And in terms of wide players, I think there's some, there's some real exciting uh, variety of wide players. Um, and it's really interesting now that wide players are basically, for lots of teams, make up the forward line. So you'll see a lot of teams play with three, three forwards, essentially. Or, or three out-and-out attackers, um, and there may be two from midfield behind them. And two of those are wide players, with, with some teams adopting a, um, a central uh, classic number nine figure, or some adopting more of a loose um, false nine figure. Um, so I think it's been really interesting the way that uh, wide players have developed and, and are now probably more of a threat on goal. But I do think there's still um, lots of variety. I mean, if I think... I look at uh, some some of the types of wingers. I think you can. It's probably too loose, or probably too. Um, it probably needs more categories. But loosely speaking, you could probably categorize them into into poor dribblers and athletes. Um, so athletes would be, for me, the likes of Thierry Henry, Cristiano Ronaldo, who of course started out life as a as a winger. But I think we have to also say that he's not just an athlete. This is a phenomenally skilled player. Gareth Bale is an athlete over Mars, Robin. And when I say athlete, I mean players who are, you know, probably rely upon, let's say, speed or change of pace or are able to be direct. Um, and then the pure dribblers, you would categorize as those players who are able to, to beat a player in, in small spaces, able to jink in between the lines. Uh, more of a cute type of, uh, of winger who would use flair and trickery to go past the player. And I still think we have those both, both examples playing now. Um, it's just interesting to see him taking up more central positions and allowing the fullbacks to overlap, which has become a huge part of the modern game, of course. Mm. Yes, we've spoken a lot about obviously um, the role wide players have in attack. We haven't mentioned so far the role that wide players have in defence and perhaps how that's changed. And do you think the wide players that can have defensive or that provide defensive structure and discipline get praised enough nowadays or get appreciated enough? I mean, one example I can think of that I think has been 
one of the best wild players in Europe for the last, I don't know, 10 or so years, um, maybe a bit less, is, is Willian at Chelsea because of how, first of all, his defensive output and how disciplined he is and constant tracking back. I mean, um, watching the Chelsea game today, literally 40, after the first minute after the second half, he tracks his winger all the way back to win a header and then wins the second ball on the tackle. And then two minutes later, he's then up the field with the ball at his feet, um, looking to provide a threat. And do you think the defensive outputs from wide players is appreciated now um, enough nowadays? And how many players do you think you can think of that really excel at that role um, in terms of defensive output? And do you think that that has increased or decreased in recent generations? Definitely increased. Um, because I feel like with, with fullbacks being more expected to um provide and help out in terms of attacking movements and in terms of assists and goals and threat going forwards uh that has meant that that wingers are now expected to to drop back a little bit more often and and cover and help out so for me i think it's increased um and i think that just goes hand in hand with the general increase in the athleticism of players across the board so if you think of tottenham um lamella often plays wide and he he's excellent at tracking back um, Son obviously does a good job there as well. I think in the Premier League, most of the wide players have to be defensively um, uh, hardworking and cover back. And I think a lot of that is because we do commit fullbacks further forward than we ever had done in a game. Um, so you, you can't have wingers who, who just stay forward. Um, so I think more and more we're seeing wingers who are defensively astute as well. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that's... Um, do you think there's just a few special players doing that or do you think it's across the board? I don't think there's many players. We spoke earlier about how the importance um, of wild players now providing regular attacking output and threat. I don't think there's many players nowadays that can do that can excel at both. So when I mentioned William about his ability to um, you know, provide defensive discipline and structure and work back and track back, um, but he can also obviously be a huge threat in a final third. He, he can go both ways on both sides. He can actually also dribble as a 10 and play as a 10. Um, he can receive in between the lines. He takes set pieces and he produces goals and he's very fast and energetic. Um, but I don't think someone like him, so everything I've just said there, you'd be thinking, wow, this player should be recognised as one of the world's best. But I don't think that kind of work gets appreciated enough. And I don't think that that kind of work, um, I don't think there's many players nowadays that can excel at both areas. Um, yeah, you mentioned Lamella. But he doesn't really excel at either. I mean, he works and tracks back and he's, yeah. he presses and harries, but he doesn't I mean, excel in the final third. Um, so I think that... Yeah, there's, like a, there's a big difference between performing two roles and excelling at yeah, two roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And I don't think there's many players nowadays that can really excel at both roles. I really don't. Um, whether I mean, there's, I mean, there, aren't, there aren't many um, players in, in any position that can excel both both sides of the ball. So... You know, a lot got made last season of Trent Alexander-Arnold and his assists. And a lot of people pointed out that he's defensively, he's, he's not the strongest. And on, a, on the flip side of that, there's been a lot of talk recently about uh, Juan Bissaka being defensive. You know, people label players, I, I think it's silly, but the best one-on-one -on -one defender in world football and, and things like this. Yeah, whatever uh, that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a silly label, but obviously he's pointed out that he's very, very good on 1v1 situations. So defensively, he's better than he is going forward. I mean, if we're talking about players that excel all over the pitch, these are players who go down on, on in the world-class level. So I think there's very few of those anyway. So asking players is hard enough to excel in one area of the field uh, or in one aspect of the game, let alone excel in both. But in terms of uh, defensive output, I, think, I do think wingers are asked to track back a little bit more nowadays. Um, and that might be because of the increase in athleticism of players or increasing ability of players to do that. And increasing speed of the game, like you mentioned. Do you see the role, just to finish this topic before we take a break, do you see the role of the wide player um, evolving much from now on into the future? Well, it'll be interesting to see how it does, how, how it does go next and where it can go next. Because obviously what, what's happened with the, the role as it's developed is we've spoken about it already. Goals have been added more and more to the, to the, to the remit of the wide player. And I think Figo started that and then it's been carried on ever since. Um, basically, most teams now use three forwards, so that's been interesting as, as wide players have migrated inwards slightly. Um, and the knock-on effect of that is the classic role of the number 10 has been affected. 
so we don't see the classic tens like we spoke earlier about Yari Litmanen. Um, as a classic 10, we don't see these these players don't exist. There's no room for these players on the field anymore, by large. Obviously, there are a few examples. Um, so I think each of these changes have knock-on effects. It's changed the centre-forward position, obviously. They used to play in partnerships. Um, you know, Oftentimes, you would play big man, little man, or, or a runner in behind and a target man, this type of combination. Those, those sorts of dynamics have shifted. So who knows where it'll end up next, but it will be fascinating to see. And I think it'll have a knock-on effect, just as it has done so far, on um, on other positions in the field. But hopefully, uh, we continue to see wide players be uh, really key, um, integral players of the game, because we've mentioned it all the way through this, about just how exciting they are and just how many wide players have, have made a big, a big impact in the game generally and in the history of the game. So I'd like to... Hopefully, that, uh, they play a prominent role on the field, and there's, there's going to continue to be a lot of variety in wide players as we go forward. Definitely, definitely. I think it's very apt that we've chosen the wide player as our first topic in this in this new series we're going to be doing, uh, analysing and assessing different roles on the pitch. Obviously, we coach a lot of wide players, and we both adore the wide player role. Um, so it's very apt that this was our first in the series. After the break, coaches battle. Coaches battle. Before we get on to this week's coaches battle, I need to reveal the results of the last week's coaches battle. And I think the fact that I'm getting this in there straight away should give you a hint, Richard, <laughs> as to who won. Um, yep, sorry, mate. I got the I got the win um, last time, so it's now four two uh, to me. I've got my two goal lead back. Um, there's a running theme going here. I keep getting the two goal advantage, but you keep pulling it back. So just can't get away, mate. I just can't get away. I'm hoping. I'm like Chelsea under Mourinho. We don't know when we beat. <laughs> if I get the three goal advantage, I think I think that'll be enough to see me win the series. I think, but we'll see. Should, on this week's coaches battle, it should be enough. On this week's coaches battle, we have picked a wide pairing that we are basically going to um, gloat about and talk about. And I have picked the partnership of Robin and Rebury. Robbery, um, as they're fondly nicknamed or were nicknamed. Obviously, they've both left the club now. Um, at Bayern Munich and Richards, who have you gone for? I've gone for British legends Ryan Giggs and David Beckham, mate. Nice, nice. Quite a lot of variety there. I quite like that. There's wild players yeah, yeah. and pairings from different generations. So this will be really interesting, actually. Okay. Um, I can't remember. Who went first last week or last or two weeks ago? Uh, I've got no idea, mate. Why don't you go first? There you go. I'll oh, be a charming. Charming. Okay, cool. All right, so get the timer out, mate. We've got 30 seconds and. I've got to explain why Robin and Rubri are the kings ahead of Beckham and Giggs. Your time starts now, my friend. Okay, so the Bundesliga is one of the biggest leagues in the world and there has never been a more prolific wing jower in the Bundesliga. Um, Robbery, um, as they're fondly remembered, um, one half of that, Iron Robin, he was at Bayern Munich for 10 seasons. He won eight titles and scored 99 goals. Uh, Ribery was there for 12 seasons, nine titles and 86 goals. I mean, those numbers are just ridiculous. Um, they certainly, Beckham and Geese can't compare with that. And um, even in 2013, in the... That's time, that's time, oh, that's time. Oh, no. I was about to go on and say, you know what, I'm not allowed to say it. I was about to give another great point about one of those, uh, but... I'm don't put it in now. No, no, no this no. doesn't count. I said enough, mate. I said enough. You're not going to, you can't argue against those numbers, mate. To be honest, mate, those stats are very impressive. I wasn't aware of those stats. All right, but we'll see what we I can I literally do. had them right in front of me right now, the uh, Bundesliga website. <laughs> right, you ready? I'm ready, mate. As ready as ever. Let's just get the time right. You can begin your argument as to why Giggs and Beckham are the king's head of Robin and Ribery in three, two, one, go. Firstly, while the Bundesliga is a great league, we all know that's a one-team league. So eight, eight seasons winning the championship out of 10 is neither here nor there. These two, Giggs and Beckham, probably two of the finest British players of all time. Certainly Ryan Giggs, Welsh legend. Uh, David Beckham's done in many countries. What I like about this partnership for Manchester United is that it had variety. So you had the flying winger on the one side, left-footed Giggs, able to jink inside and outside, flair, creativity, ability to go past players, and of course, score goals. And then of course, Timer. you had uh, David... Ah, unbelievable. I spent my whole time talking about Giggs. <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to play the one-team league um, card. I knew you were going to do that one. That was never thirty seconds. It was thirty seconds. You were just being a no. Welshman. You were gloating too much about gigs, your hero. 
Well, I think I should just win it on gigs alone, to be honest with you. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Good argument. We won't play with two wingers. We'll have one. You know what, mate? I literally have no idea who's going to win this one. It's I, uh, There are certainly arguments for both of them. I can't even really say against because you can't really go against either pairing. But... Um, no, it'll be interesting nonetheless. It's not up to us. I think I think it's a great it's a great matchup. And what I love about it is that you've got two different styles. So you've got Robin and Ribery. And, and Robin, I think, is a really, really important winger in the history of white players because he was one of the first to change wings and become a real goal threat on the on the opposite side. Um Ribery, of course, really successful winger as well, more maybe more of a dribbler. Um and then I think Giggs and Giggs and Beckham's really fascinating as well. So Beckham. Obviously, world-renowned for his passing ability and his cross, that cross that he developed from deep, the whipped cross, able to curl it around. So this is a winger who didn't have to beat a player. And this, at the time, people may forget this, this wasn't, this wasn't how wide players played, um, who could deliver these absolute bombs into the area uh, for strikers to get onto the end of. And he was very successful doing that for all of his teams. Um, so I think, yeah, it's a really, really interesting matchup. And, um, yeah, if if there's a if there's a wide pair in nowadays that can beat that, I'd like to see it. And one thing I'd like to say about all four of them, which is so important to assessing, you know, world superstar footballers nowadays, is the longevity of all four of them and how they manage to maintain their levels at the top for so long. And I think it goes for for most of the players we mentioned today, perhaps with the exception of Garincha, who obviously we mentioned was a bit of an enigma, a bit of a flawed genius. But Stanley Matthews played until. I think until he was 50, certainly into his 40s. Uh, Ryan Giggs obviously played for a long, long time. Uh, John Barnes had a long career. We're talking about uh, Figo. Figo played into his late 30s. And obviously the four we just mentioned. So all of these top players, they tend to have that in common as well. The ability to do it year after year after year, which I think sometimes gets overlooked. Uh, it's very easy to rate players and, oh, he's world-class and he isn't world-class. Or, or we speak about players too early. And then you look at a player like Giggs or like Robin and you think, Jesus, how long have these guys been able to do this for? How, how long were they able to stay at the very, very top, consistently uh, delivering at the highest level? Unbelievable. Yeah, incredible, incredible. After the break, we're going to finish the show with Best Of. And the best of the week is... On this week's Best Of, we are going to be wearing our coaches' hats and we are going to give three tips each to wingers, um, modern day wingers that are looking to improve their game. Um, I went first on the coaches battle. So Richard, if you want to give your first tip to wingers nowadays that are looking to improve their game at any level of football. Yeah, so I, I really enjoy working with my players, wingers and, and, and players who like having the ball at their feet and go players. It excites me. And um, we, we spoke about it earlier. It's a one-on-one domination that I find really interesting and really exciting as a, someone who watches a lot of football and coaches a lot of football, the first tip I would give is about the shift of weight. Um, I think if, if you're going to be uh, an effective wide player, a good wide player, able to go past players um, and able to you know, add something to your team going forward, I think it's really, really vital to be able to shift weight and balance from one foot to the other. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with being able to shift the ball from one foot to the other as well. So one thing that we do with wingers a lot of the time is, is, is it's quite basic dribbling drills, but using both feet. And it's the ability to switch feet quickly. So not just the ability to shift it from one side to the other in a slow fashion, but the ability to, to, to have different touches, different weight of touch and different types of touch on one foot and then quickly shift that weight from one side to another. And it could be with the ball, it could be without the ball. So if we think about a player like Rabinho, who we mentioned earlier, I know there's been some amazing clips out there of his endless stepovers and things like this. But actually, what beats a player is the shift of weight and the disguise. Um, and it's recognizing the defender's uh, stance and, and how, when has he fallen for your trick? When has his weight shifted so that then you can shift again? So I think if you're able to master the shift of weight and the ability to, to move um, nimbly from one side to the other, it, it could be a jink of the hips. It could be a, a use of the shoulders, dipping low with the shoulders. It could be using the knees. But I really think that's a great tip for, for white players to be able to shift your weight and to be able to shift the ball from foot to foot. 
My first tip, I've already alluded to it earlier, um, I call it the Callum Hudson Odoi move, um, just because he excels at it, and uh, it's the importance for wide players to get early separation from their fullback. And what I mean by that is, before the point of attack is changed, or while it's changing, and before the ball is switched out to yourself as the wide player, look to get space away from the fullback, because what that then enables you to do, it means you can then attack the fullback with space, which is obviously key to getting momentum, and also make sure that you angle your body to receive where you can then attack the defender at a 45 degree angle. Because what that then does is that if you attack the defender at 45 degrees, it enables you to go inside and outside. You see a lot. We work. You know, we see a lot of players nowadays, and they'll often receive very square. Um, and when you receive square, it means you've locked off or blocked off. Sorry, um, areas of the pitch that you could attack from. So it's so important that as you're getting your separation from the defender, moving off the ball to get separation, open your body up where you can receive the ball, but then attack the fullback straight away and be positive with your first touch and attack straight at the fullback where you can then go 45 at 45 degrees, sorry, where you can go inside and outside. If you receive, for example, at a 90 degrees angle where your body is facing, say, the corner flag or, or, or the touchline, for example, then the winger, the fullback, sorry, can kind of force you down the line and then it becomes a 1v1 race. Or if you're receiving, you know, completely facing central, then you haven't really progressed the ball and you're going into traffic. So my tip is to try and get separation early from the defender, open your body and attack at a 45 degree angle. Lovely. I like that one, mate. I like that a lot. And we see, like you say, you call it the Hudson Adoy. He, he, yeah. he does that one very, very well. Yeah, brilliant. Your second tip? Uh, variety of pace. So um, a lot of players think this means uh, speeding up or just going from slow to fast. Uh, and that's not what it is. It's a variety of pace. It's the ability to change your pace. And that also means slowing down. So accelerating and decelerating without the ball. So we see some wingers or some wide players. And, you know, if you're going to go, go past the player, certainly, then your ability to change pace is really, really important. But we speak about this often about the ability it's not just about the ability to go past the player you just mentioned it it's about creating separate so you don't need to go past the player you might not be fast you don't have to be lightning fast in a foot race to become a very very effective wide player so if there's a foot race between let's say Juan Besaka and most wide players then Juan Besaka is going to win but if you're a slow wide player coming up against a faster fullback, you can still create that separation. And in fact, you can still go past him by using a variety of pace. So receive fast, take quick touches, take big explosive touches and then change pace. Be able to slow it down and assess. So don't always go direct at a player, pose problems. I think if, you, if, if a young player is to watch a, an expert of use of pace, this player wasn't necessarily a wire, but I would watch, I would spend time studying Andres Iniesta. So Andres Iniesta, for me, was one of the best players in his ability to use speed in order to get away from players. When I say use speed, I didn't say run fast. So he's able to slow down and then change speed and trick the defender with the pace that he's playing at. So have a variety of pace to your game, not always 100 miles an hour. And that's where you see, we speak about this guy all the time, Adama Traore has made big leaps in his game because he doesn't only go now 100 miles an hour every time. He's now starting sometimes to change the pace play. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. Um, my second tip is the assertiveness in front of goal that elite wide players need. Now, a wide player can be a fantastic dribbler. They can get separation from defenders. They can create space. But can they then exploit that space? And there are not many players in world football that can consistently be assertive in front of goal. And what I mean by that is it's a kind of aura. It's a, you know, imposing nature on the pitch of where when you get the ball, you are consistently able to hit the danger zones, reach the danger zones, and then produce goals or at least have the opportunity to score. And it's kind of like an aura. So, for example, if we talk about Ribery like we did earlier, or Gareth Bale, or Cristiano Ronaldo, you knew, and they knew, that when they hit certain areas, there was a massive threat on goal. There was going to be a chance. And often it was quite the same kind of goal. So my tip for wingers and wide players is to get that aura. It comes from a confidence. It comes from an imposing nature. That's got to come from within. 
but also on the training field, work on scoring a specific type of goal or specific types of goals again and again and again. It could be the Robin move where you are cutting in and bending it into the far corner. That's a move that most elite wide forwards kind of do need to have. They do have that kind of goal. Um, it could be a variety of things, but work on it again and again and again, which enables you to have that confidence of going that. And when you receive the ball in those kind of areas, you know you're a threat on goal. And having that self-belief and that hunger to score is so, so important. Um, if you look at Real Madrid's front line right now, um, using them as an example, it's a fantastic front line. But if you look at, let's say, let's say Benzema, Hazard, and let's pick one of the young kids, um, Vinicius, let's say they play. Bale's on the bench or whatever. He's injured quite often or, or not picked by Zidane. You look at that front three, you don't have that assertiveness. They're fantastic footballers, but where is the absolute desperation to score from any of them? They're very selfless players. And that's why, if you look at Real Madrid, I'm not too sure if this was still the same stat. Um, it was the case last week where Sergio Ramos was their second top goal scorer, a centre-back with six goals. Since they've lost Ronaldo and Bale has been gone out of the team, they've lost those players that have that absolute desperation to score and that assertiveness and so the team is far worse off um, in my opinion so work on and try to get that assertiveness as a wide player by doing those things yeah brilliant tip that one Harry couldn't agree more my final tip for a wide player and indeed for any player really um, but especially wide players let's say as we're going at players that's what we want to see would be aggression and bravery so when we talk about these things it's quite similar to what you just spoke about there Harry um, I say aggression, I don't mean shoulder badging players. And when I talk about bravery, I don't mean, you know, going into uh, dangerous tackles. I'm talking about bravery in the sense of, uh, in the same way a striker has to be brave to take, to take the shot again, having just missed. Bravery to get on the ball. Bravery to be effective and trust yourself in those positions. Wide player today is a game changer. This is a player who makes an impact in the forward, forward positions. Uh, this is often that the, the, the player changes the game and create, you know, creates the winning goal or scores a winning goal, you expect it to have a massive impact on games. And that's where you live and die by. So get the ball and be brave on the ball. You're going to fail time and time again. But unless you're brave as a wide player, uh, then you're not going to develop into a really exciting player. So I think it's really, really key for players to be brave, uh, to keep creating angles, to keep creating um, space off the ball, uh, keep wanting the ball, and keep trusting your ability to go out players. And the second part of that is aggression. So a little bit like what you just said there, Harry, having that certainty, be brave to go and receive it. Be brave to go and ask for it, even though you've, you know, the, the fullback's got you in his pocket today. You've still got to get on the ball. You've still got to pose problems. And then I have that aggression. And aggression doesn't mean uh, running around kicking people. What this means is have that assertiveness and have a certainty that you're going to go past the player, that you're going to make an impact. If you run at him 10 times and he tackles you nine, that's fine. If you get past him on the 10th time with that cross into the box that creates a problem or creates a chance or a goal, then you've had a, a positive impact on the game. So my final tip there is aggression and bravery. Brilliant tip. Brilliant tip. Could not agree more. My third and final tip, and I think it's important to preface this with there are a lot more tips we do give to wire players and we could give. And these aren't necessarily our top three. I mean, I, I personally don't rank them, um, but these are just three tips that we've chosen um, to talk about. And uh, my third and final tip is um, attacking the box. And it's something that if you look at Raheem Sterling, going to go straight out there with him as an example, how many goals he has finished on the end of moves. And it's so important, I think, for wild players to be able to also score the easy goal. You know, you look at wild players, and we spoke earlier about the ones that connect sites and provide moments of magic. But players that can also have that instinct and knowing when to attack the box, the timing, when to get on the end of it, you can become such a regular goal scorer and such a regular threat um, and change the dynamics of how your team play by having that, attacking the back post, um, attacking the six-yard box. It's so important for wide players, I think, to also hit those danger zones because it's easy to say they're the easy goals. They're not easy, but it just it gives you another dynamic and another dimension to your team of being able to attack. You know, if you're a player that only relies on the spectacular goal, well, okay, even if you are a special player, you're still probably only going to score, let's say you're a Gareth Bale. I haven't got the numbers on me, but I'll still be surprised if he scored more than, say, six or seven goals in a season, in a single season, outside the box. Maybe a few more, I'm not too sure. 
So you've got to make sure you're producing more numbers than that. And a good way to do that is by attacking the back post, attacking the six yard box, knowing when to time your runs to get on the end of crosses, end of pullbacks, end of through balls, whatever it might be. So my third and final tip is for wide players to look to attack the box off the ball. That's a really good one, Harry. We speak about that one often, and not just us ourselves, with other coaches and scouts and analysts and, and people who work in and around football. It's it's such a it sounds so simple, but just have that instinct to attack the back post and just have that optimistic attitude that you know the defender's going to miss the cross and it's going to come your way. And and that's a fairly straightforward way of of, of boosting your numbers and and then picking up fairly straightforward goals. Um, and it's remarkable how many wingers and wide players don't do that. Um, and, and hang out um, and, uh, out of those zones. And, and you've seen, like you said, yourself, about Raheem Sterling, the amount of goals he racked up by uh, um, attacking the back post consistently is remarkable. Uh, he's taking his goal tally to, to new heights. Uh, uh, now he's doing that. So really, really great tip there, Harry. Brilliant. One of the first um, pieces of advice that my dad gave me about football when I was really, really young, and I'll always remember it, was if you're a defender, expect the worst or predict for the worst. If you're an attacker, predict for the best case scenario um, and uh, expect the best case scenario. So I think that's so, so true. Um, Rich, I've really enjoyed this one. Yeah, me too, mate. It's a subject I love. I think uh, wide players really excite me. I love I love coaching them. I love watching them. It's been a, it's been a great chat, mate, uh, to get to talk about some of the old players and, and the developing roles. Been, yeah, for me, it's a really interesting subject. And I think we're going to do more on some different positions as we go along. We are indeed. The next one we're going to do is the number 10. That won't be next week, but very, very soon we will be talking about the number 10 role. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, all that's left for me to do is to say thanks to Richard. Cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay safe. See you soon.